Hey, and welcome to the CCWC podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to be part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, as we continue this series, we uh, conclude this week our uh, three-parter, so to speak, on looking at the three members of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son Jesus, and today, God the Holy Spirit, or God the Holy Ghost. I think about the reality of this series and what it means to truly stand on something firm, stand upon a rock. I'm reminded of a specific time when uh, my wife and I took our kids to the beach. We went to uh, uh, actually one of the Great Lakes, not the ocean. And uh, if you've ever been to the Great Lakes, any of the beaches there, you will find that when there is a storm, it can be just as violent, just as tumultuous as uh, ocean waves. And one specific time we were there, we were there for several days, and uh, we were out on the beach uh, in the the south end of of Lake Michigan, actually, and the kids are building a sandcastle along the edge of the water, and they're building this giant structure with the the moat coming in, and the water could come in around the castle, and they had this, this really beautiful structure that they had built. And as the day went on and, and uh, you know, the sun began to go down, things began to, to change, it got chilly, we decided, okay, it's time to head back to our campsite, and so we went back to the campsite. And the next morning came, and the kids wanted to do more of the same, which was go to the beach and play, and as we got to the beach, we got to close to where our, uh, our place was that we had been the night before, the day before, excuse me, where they had built their castle. And what we found was, because of the storm and the winds and the water from the day before, and possibly maybe some people that were walking along the beach that decided they were going to act as the wrecking crew, for whatever reason, the castles that had been built were completely gone. In fact, everything was gone. They had totally destroyed it. The wind had come in. The waves had come in. And the kids asked, you know, what happened? Why did this get destroyed? And they were kind of puzzled. We thought this would be here forever, right? It's sand. And that's fun, and we we laugh at that, we giggle at that, we kind of think, oh, you know, kids, I can't believe it. And it's kind of funny to think about when some sandcastle gets taken out by the waves of the sea or the winds or the storm or even somebody else, but it's not so funny when the waves or the storm or the sea hits life. There's a reason why God provided for us sound doctrine and understanding, why the Holy Spirit inspired this word for us and gave us the rock to stand upon. There's a reason why we have the things that we believe, and that's so we'll stand on the rock. And so when the storm comes, we know what we know what we know. This series aims at looking at Scripture and exploring the truth therein, the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, the Wesleyan Articles of Faith, so that we might better understand or first discover, depending upon where you're at, what we believe. Today we discover and we look at the Holy Spirit. The Wesleyan Discipline 2016 Articles of Religion, paragraph 216, reads like this, We believe in the Holy Spirit, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, and is of the same essence, nature, majesty, and glory. 
as the Father and the Son, truly and eternal, truly and eternally God. He is the administrator of grace to all and is particularly the effective agent in conviction for sin, in regeneration, in sanctification, and in glorification. He is ever-present, assuring, persevering, guiding, and enabling the believer. That paragraph should bring hope to all of us. If we truly believe that that's what the Holy Spirit is, or that's who the Holy Spirit is, then we should believe and understand that God is always with us, always persevering, always assuring, always guiding, always enabling us. And I see in Creed, in a briefer statement, reads like this, we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshiped and glorified. And this is my favorite part. He has spoken through the prophets, meaning he is the one, the real true author of this book. The Holy Spirit gave us this holy scripture. And if you want to know more about this, We're going to talk about it next week, so tune in next week. But the Holy Spirit is the author of what we have, our Scripture. So how do you, we asked this last week about Jesus, how do you picture the Holy Spirit? This might be a little bit more difficult than last week's because in Scripture we see many many pictures of Jesus. We see Him personified. But how do you, how do we picture the Holy Spirit? For you, depending upon how you grew up, you might have a differing perspective. Maybe for some of us, it's kind of the weird one of the group, right? And I think it's okay to say that because depending upon which camp we come from, we might have said, okay, the Holy Spirit's that one we don't really talk about or we're kind of scared of, right? We don't really know that much about or I'm not really sure of who he is or what he's about. For some, you know, you you might recognize that he's the one that brings forth uh, some sort of physical, emotional uh, change or some physical, emotional report in and through a person. But typically, he's the one that we can't picture. And here's the tension. We have God the Father. We, we recognize him. We can see him walking with Adam. We see him throughout Scripture, maybe even picturing him sitting on the throne, as Scripture talks about. We see Jesus. We understand a picture of Jesus. He's the one that walked with the disciples. We see him even from birth, right? We have his picture all the way up. But the Holy Spirit, there's very little recording of an actual personification. In fact, I asked several people this week, what do you picture when you think of Jesus? And, and in Acts, we see or we hear about him being, you know, fire. We hear about, from John, we hear about him being water. We see that he's a dove during, uh, the, in Matthew during Jesus' moment of baptism. So who or what is the Holy Spirit? I'm reminded of, of, a, of a cartoon character, actually, from when I was younger. This, this, uh, this cartoon character was called Captain Planet, right? And you might remember Captain Planet. I don't know exactly what the message was. I haven't watched it as an adult, but I'm assuring that it, probably there was, there was something that was trying to be communicated. But there was all these different forms. Everybody had their own little thing. They had the earth, and they had wind, and all of them were something that you could actually define. But then the last guy, he had heart, there's earth, wind, fire. Anybody else know that water? That was the other one. And then there was heart. And I always thought heart was kind of silly. Because heart, well, obviously all five of them have a heart. We don't necessarily need that. But heart was the one that you couldn't really define. You couldn't see. Scripture doesn't really give us a human picture of the Holy Spirit. 
But the problem is, in most cases, because of that lack of human picture, we don't recognize that he is the most personal. Get this, the Holy Spirit is the most personal, the most present member of the Godhead in your life. He is as close to you as your breath, your thoughts, your motive, your heart. We're going to read from John's gospel today, in fact, chapter 14. And in John's gospel, he, he speaks very, very uh, specifically about a promise that Jesus gives. Perhaps the greatest promise that Jesus ever grants, maybe one of the greatest promises in Scripture, and that promise is the coming of the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, the one that would come, the one that would arrive after Jesus ascended into heaven. And what I want to do today is answer two specific questions. The first one is, who is the Holy Spirit? And the second one is, what does the Holy Spirit do? And the first one, we're going to spend a little bit, a, brief, a smaller amount of time, a briefer amount of time than we are the second. But, but I think it's important to note first who the Holy Spirit is. And so I'm going to read specifically from uh, chapter 14, starting in verse 15. This is Jesus speaking. He says, If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it either sees, neither sees nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as an orphan. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, and also, and because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Now this first half, we're going to stop there for now. This first half of this specific passage points towards a promise that Jesus is granting and an understanding and reality that it does require some sort of action on the part of those who are listening. But before we even get to that, let us understand, let us look at who this advocate might be. The first part is this. The first understanding is this. In 15, verse 15 through 17, we talk about this word, the, and it's really misleading in a lot of ways. First, a, a, the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is personal. The Holy Spirit is not a something, but a someone. In fact, I know a lot of people who actually just say Holy Spirit because as soon as you put the in front of it, you almost take away the personification of the Holy Spirit or Holy Spirit. Do you say the Jesus Christ? Probably not regularly. It would be a little confusing. It would be a, a, a little bit, uh, it, it would kind of cause you to, to think about things differently. And the, the important thing here to note is that the Holy Spirit is Holy Spirit is a person, in fact, a personal being, not a thing. It's important because how you see him as a person, or if you see him as a person, is, is important because if you don't see him as a person, you won't engage with him personally. 
In fact, what ends up happening is we put him in a box or we tend to say, okay, this is my, and I, I, I hate to, to use this phrase, but um, just recently I was at a, a store and we were waiting for our table, or a restaurant, we were waiting for our table and they had one of those little stores, one of those gift shops in the front, that little trap where they're like, hey, your table will be 15 minutes. Go buy a bunch of stuff you don't need, right? And so you're out there and I'm standing there and my son picks up uh, one of these magic eight balls, which there's no magic to it in case you wanted to know. He picks up a magic eight ball and he says, is it going to rain on my birthday? And he shakes it and it says yes four or five times before he gets the answer he wants, right? And he's like, okay, yes. I mean, no, it's not going to. Good. All right, good. We'll put this back. It worked. It's interesting. It's interesting that we even laugh about that, but, but that's sometimes how people treat the Holy Spirit. Hey, Holy Spirit, give me this thing. Do this thing for me. You're kind of this genie in a bottle, this magic eight ball that does the work for me. And that's about it. Instead, what Jesus is saying here is that an advocate is coming. A person is coming for you to engage with. And the cool thing is it's much deeper the engagement that you're going to have with me, Jesus says, because this is going to be a spirit-to-spirit level of communication. The second point under that one is from uh, verse 18 through 20, and I, I want to reread this part. It says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Get this. The Holy Spirit, he is God. Jesus is saying right here, he is spelling out, he didn't use the word, but he is spelling out, there is this thing called the Trinity. There are three specific measures here. There's, there's, there's God the Father, the Creator, God the Son, Jesus, who becomes the sacrifice, and the one, the, 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 the one who champions, the one who, the catalyst for all, the one who is the, 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 the sacrifice and who beats death. And then there's the Holy Spirit, the Advocate, the one who comes, who brings grace and walks us through. He's not saying that, that the Holy Spirit is a third of God. He's not saying that the, the Holy Spirit is less than God or greater than God, but instead equal to, part of the Godhead. And the other thing is he's not saying that he's an afterthought. And this is important because sometimes if you read Scripture, especially if you start in the Old Testament, you kind of read through, you think, okay, there's God the Father and he created the world and God the Father is plan A, right? And we got plan A. We're good here. This is, this is the start. This is what God wanted. And then man screwed up, right? We, we, we sinned and brought sin into the world. And so plan B came. Here's Jesus. And, and, and for some reason, you know, God, the Father, decided to create. And this is, none of this is real. I don't want you to take, don't take this snippet out and, and believe. So God, the Father, then he created Jesus. And then Jesus came along. And, and then, uh, you know, he's short-sighted in this creation. He recognized, oh, if I create a man, he's going to leave. So I need to create a, a plan C where the Holy Spirit comes and he'll stay with the people. No, that's not how it works at all. What Jesus is saying here is, is we are all in one another. We, all, we are all same, the same thing. We're all a, a creator. We're all the, the sacrifice. We're all the advocate. It's manifest in all, but therefore each one plays their own part. The Holy Spirit's not a created being. Jesus is not a created being. They're part of the Godhead. And the final thing, this is uh, kind of the application of those first two and what Jesus says here in verses 20 and 21. He is in you. Get this. You, if you are a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is inside of you. If you are a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is inside of you. 
I brought this, uh, this vase today, and actually I borrowed this vase from the kitchen, but I brought this, this cup, so um, this, is, this is kind of an illustration. So let, let's just get this. So this right here, this picture holds water, the Holy Spirit. That'll be uh, in this metaphor, that's the Holy Spirit. This cup right here, this is the vessel, this is you, this is me. If you accept Jesus, if you, if you repent of your sins, if you give your heart to Christ, if you make him Lord and Savior of your life, or allow him to be Lord and Savior of your life, then the Holy Spirit lives in you. And so therefore, this is your present reality. The Holy Spirit literally lives inside of you. Now we're going to come back to this, but the Holy Spirit literally lives inside of you. You're no longer empty. You're no longer dry, which I think that works as well. But now, at this point, you are changed. You are different. You are not the same as you were before. What can be better than God incarnate, God in the flesh, Jesus walking alongside you? What can be better? How about this? God living inside of you. God directing you. As followers of Jesus, God took up residence in you, inside of you. This series started where we should start with God, because God is the creator. God is the start. God is the one who, who, who starts all things. In the beginning, we see this huge God who created all things, who made all things. And the point that we've tried to get to at, at, at the end of each or in the conclusion of each service is this, this reality that God being this great thing does have some application to our life. The point is this. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings forth personal application through personal intimacy. The Holy Spirit is the catalyst, the one who brings us and God, or is the branch for us and God to be able to have relationship. And there are questions that come specifically at, this, at what Jesus said and at this passage. And so we'll move on. In, in verse 22, we see one of those questions phrased from one of the disciples. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world. Thoughtful of him to ask that, meaning, hey, look, you're giving this truth to us, but we recognize that there's a lot of people out there that aren't going to necessarily get this information. In fact, there's people that have already lived. There's people that will live after you pass away. Why is it so important? Why do we get to hear it? And you are not going to tell others. So continue, and here Jesus replies in verse 23, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Now, this is where this, this kind of plural, my Father will love them, first of all. We will come to them, so meaning that Jesus, through the person of the Holy Spirit, will come to them and make our home with them, reside with them. Within them, the Holy Spirit will be. Anyone who do, does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. And then verse 25, it continues, All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give, you, give to you as the world gives do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Verse 28 continues, we heard, You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens so that when it, happen, when it does happen, you will believe. And we're going to pause there 
And we'll jump back and finish that passage in a few moments. But the secondary question today is, what does he do? What does the Holy Spirit do? Jesus, he clearly defines some very specific things. One is he's present, obviously, but he's the teacher. He helps us in our weakness. He intercedes for us. He's the one that goes between us and God and gives us opportunity to be able to to understand, to know. That's what grace truly is. And that right is he gives forth this opportunity for us to be able to respond to the truth. And what's more, he brings us freedom. Freedom from sin, freedom from darkness, freedom from the emptiness that we experience. In summary, he wants you to be more like Jesus. He wants us all to be more like Jesus, and he does so by first cleaning us up and secondly by filling us up. And so the first point is this, conviction. He wants to clean you up. Get this, God loves you so much that he created an opportunity, an an avenue for us to be able to experience his love, but also he loves us so much he doesn't want to leave us where we were when we first come to him. The Holy Spirit does this. You can't clean yourself up. I can't clean myself up. In conviction, this this first thing, this conviction, the the reality is we come to Jesus, and then the Holy Spirit wants us to become more like Jesus. The the Holy Spirit brings forth the power, brings forth the, the understanding, maybe through Scripture, through somebody else, or maybe even through that still small voice within us where he says, look, there's something not right here. I want you to know me in a greater way. There's a roadblock in the way. Several years ago, I rented a, a car. I was in uh, Indianapolis for, for a conference, or actually I was in uh, uh, Indianapolis for a conference, and then I was heading up to, to Marion for something for school. And when I rented this car, there were several different options, and the, the, the one that I wanted, they didn't have, and so they just kind of gave me something else. And I, I said, that's fine, whatever, um, you know, whatever, whatever's comparable in price, I'm fine to drive that. And so they gave me this uh, really cool minivan, which um, was fairly similar to the minivan that I had at home. It was several years newer, but uh, I thought, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm, if, if my room doesn't work out, I can sleep in the back of this, right? So I, I get this minivan, and um, I go to the conference, and then I, I start to head back up to, to Marion. And, you know, I, I'm not necessarily distracted, but I, I am a person that likes to see the sights as I'm driving, and so I'm kind of looking at all the, the things on either side of the road. And, um, you know, not, not every road in Indiana, uh, and even in, if you go to northern Ohio, not every road is very interesting. There's a lot of corn, and uh, this specific road had more than just corn. So I was intrigued by the things on the sides of the road, and I was watching. And eventually, uh, I, I was driving, and I felt the car, I felt the van wheel start to go back into the lane again. Like I started to get off to the side a little bit and the car started to go back into the lane. I thought, am I seeing things? Did I have too much coffee? Like what, what just happened here? And so I'm driving along and, um, and I, I'm paying attention to what's going on around me, but I'm still kind of looking at what's going on. And I start to go off and it starts to, to correct again, it starts to come back into the lane again. I was like, what is happening here? And so intentionally I I started to drive over the lane, and it started to come back. And I, so I pulled over, and I was like, what is going on here? So I, I looked it up uh, on my phone. I was like, is there something going on here? And there's this thing called, well, it's not just lane assist, because lane assist actually is just like a, hey, you're going the wrong way. This actually uh, is it's called adaptive lane guidance. It actually pushes you back into, it steers you back into the lane. So I wasn't crazy, which was a, a plus. 
But at the same time, I recognized that there was something else. There was a, a higher power, whoever engineered this car, that was, that was helping to guide me along. You know, when you're driving along the road, you have, there's signs to help you, there are guardrails, there's rumble strips, all these things to help to kind of guide you, to keep you in the lane. Now, ultimately, you have the decision to steer off course, you have the decision to go wherever you want, but when you stay in the lane, when, you, when, you, when you're in the lane, when you're, when you're going straight, things are, are fine, but when you begin to, to veer either direction, there are things, whether you're driving that vehicle or whether you're driving your own vehicle, that keep you on course. You know, he doesn't use conviction to take away the fun. He doesn't use conviction in our lives to make it so that we don't have an easy life. You know, he wants just to make things difficult for us. Instead, the Holy Spirit knows that if he doesn't keep guiding you, eventually you're going to crash. And so the heart of it, the core of what the Holy Spirit is attempting to do is attempting to try to guide you, to keep you on the path so that you might know him in a greater way, you might become more like Jesus, so that you won't crash your marriage or your character or your kids or your private life. Remember we talked about our private life uh, in the Christmas series? Scripture says to walk by the Spirit, right? There's a real conflict between walking by the Spirit and walking by our carnal nature. Because our carnal nature says what's in it for me How can I get what I want? How can I take the shortcut and veer off this lane and go where I want to go or take a stop and do what I want to do? But the Spirit's nature says, no, continue forward. And there is a battle raging, and the Holy Spirit is the power and the guidance that keeps us afloat, keeps us in the path, on the straight and narrow. He convicts us. He reminds us that here's who you are in Christ— And what you were before is not what you want to be anymore because you know that's a dead end, because you know that leads to a crash. Let's take a quick rabbit trail, but something that's very important here. My my sister, my oldest sister, I I, I hear the stories often. My my parents like to to share stories, and and sometimes if if there's an element that that applies to what's taking place of the day, um, they'll they'll share a story, and they'll tell the story often about my oldest sister who had a little bit of a defiant side. And when she was very young, my parents laid down the ground rules that here is the road. Here's the road, right? Right? Here is uh, the, the there used to be a tree that was right at the edge. It's not there anymore at the, the house that I grew up in. Here's the tree. Don't go into the road. In fact, don't pass the tree. You won't have to worry about it. And my parents tell the story often about how my sister would go up to the tree and they would watch her out the window or they'd watch her from the front yard. And they, 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 they would watch her go all the way to the tree and kind of look over into the road, which was about four or five more feet, And she'd kind of give that look back like, is anybody watching me? And eventually she'd take a couple more steps forward and she'd put one foot into the road. Right? And immediately she'd look back and my parents would be like, what's going on? She would get, you know, some sort of a punishment or I don't know what exactly it was. They don't go on the road. I don't know what it was. But what I do know is this, oftentimes what takes place is the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit is diminished. 
The power of the Holy Spirit seems less. In fact, we might even ask, God, why did you not help me with this sin? Why did you not help me with this struggle? Why did you not help me with the things I was going through? And it's not because there was no power. It's not because the Spirit left us. It's because we lived so close to the edge. We allowed so much to happen. We focused so much on what we wanted to do that we diminished that voice. We squelched that voice. We primed the pump, so to speak, on the thing that we wanted to do. And eventually what took place is what? We stepped in the road. Because instead of going the opposite direction and leaving, we towed the line in every aspect. And what Jesus is saying here is, look, the Holy Spirit has come to give you power. Don't diminish it by focusing on something else. The point is this, the Holy Spirit takes you where you... Takes, you, takes who you were and he cleans you up. He takes who you were and he cleans you up, but you have to let him. Don't miss this. He doesn't just clean the outside of you, but he cleans the inside of you. He makes you fresh. He makes you new. He creates a new creation through you, in you. He changes your heart. He changes your appetite, but he can't do that if you still stay by the edge. The great news here is that we have no ability to clean up ourselves, so thank you, God, for sending the advocate who can. He's the spirit that connects with our spirit. Think of the depth there. Proverbs 14, 12, this is, this is amazing because sometimes we, we get into this lie or this understanding that the Holy Spirit is only there, uh, you know, for those who are truly spiritual or, or he's only there for, for as that eight ball experience. And we think there, there's a, an important note here. And Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way which appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. Think of that. Sometimes things in life, maybe our feelings even direct us to a place to say, oh, this is great. This is something that we want. But in essence, what's happening here, what's taking place, the Holy Spirit says, look, that leads to death. Follow me. The second thing the Holy Spirit wants to do is to fill you up. He wants to grant power in you. Recognize this. Whenever you turn from something, it creates a void. And something has to fill that void because it's not going to remain forever. So when you turn away from something else and turn towards Jesus, a void is created in your life, and the Spirit wants to fill that void and bring forth new life for you. That's the power. That's Acts 1.8. It says, but, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Power. He wants to fill us up with the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, and 23 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witness. Oh, I put the wrong verse there. In any event, here's the deal. He will give you love. He will give you joy. He will give you peace. He will give you patience, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. When your life is rooted in Christ, your life will flow from those things. He wants to fill you up, and he wants to pour out love in you. He wants to give you love. He wants to give you joy. He wants to give you peace. He wants to fill you so full, fuller than you could ever imagine in any other way. You know why it's hard sometimes for people to experience unconditional love? It's because they've never received it themselves. They've never fully allowed the Holy Spirit to give them, grant them the unconditional love that we can receive from our God. Perhaps they don't know how, or they're fearful of what others might think or what might take place. 
Get this, you are loved and valued by God so much that he came to this earth, that he died, that he rose again, and then he came to stay with you, to fill you, so that you might be free to love other people. The core of it is this, if you just stop with Jesus and say, okay, I've got my ticket, I'm ready to go to heaven, you will miss out on the formation that God wants in and, to do in and through you. And that's the job of the Holy Spirit. Think about patience. Sometimes, you know, we, we, we live in this life of, okay, I want this and I want that, and kind of this impulse life of what's the next thing? What do I want to grant? What do I want to get? What do I want to do? Guess what? That's not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. When God talks about patience, he's talking about this interaction that he has with you and with your spirit where he makes you patient in him. Okay, honesty time. Let me just say this. Perhaps you're not experiencing the Holy Spirit in your life. Perhaps you're not experiencing the fruits of the Spirit in your life. And the question there would be why? Why can't I experience the fruits of the Spirit in my life? And I would venture to say that in many cases, the reason is because the Holy Spirit's attempting to pour into you and you've neglected to allow the Holy Spirit to go into the places that you feel conviction. When the Spirit brings forth a place and says, here is a conviction in your life, something that is not in accordance to the will of the Father, and you say, I still want to hold on to that place. God, you can have everything else, but I still want this time. I still want this resource. I still want this finance, this relationship. He brings up a sin, and he wants to handle it in your life, but you turn from God and you say, I don't want you to address this. I'll take care of it on my own. Or you avoid it and you say, that's not a sin. Or you say, I'll take care of that later. I'll do it. I'll do something else. When the Spirit says, you can't do it later. Only I can. And the sad thing from that is that what takes place is your sin then defines your relationship with God rather than the fruits of the Spirit. And the secondary point under that is the Holy Spirit will fill what you give Him. What you give him to fill is what he will fill. Ephesians 4.30 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And the, 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 the root word there, the understanding of grieve is squelch. Do not squelch the power of the Holy Spirit. For whatever reason, whatever tradition you came from, it seems that in many even churches, we, we, we seem to squelch what the Holy Spirit might want to do because we are either scared of it, we don't know what he's going to do, he might be unpredictable, we've, we've tagged him in this specific way, when, when, when in essence what he wants to do, it has nothing to do with, with, a, with a tradition or anything like that, but he wants to engage in your life personally. He wants to take you places you've never experienced, places you've never been. And the other point there is you will, your will will not change the will of God, but it will change the work of God in you. Meaning your will to, to bend to him and say yes to him will change the work that he can do in you. You get to decide the space that God fills in your life. He's given us that free will. He's given us that opportunity. Now think about this for a minute. I'm going to, uh, let, me, let me do a little bit of change here. I'm going to move this over and I'm going to bring this up right here. So think about this for a moment. We've, we've, got, we've got this glass. This is, this is us, right? And for this metaphor, I'm going to put some back in. So that's not what really happens. We don't pour back in the Holy Spirit. But, but look, okay, so we've got this, this vessel. This is us, right? And you should always use a coaster, so I'll put this down. So this is, this is, this is you. This is me. 
And this is the Spirit. And the Spirit flows, right? And so here is the, the flowing of the Holy Spirit. This is the Holy Spirit coming and filling us. And, and the awesome thing is this. When he continues to fill, he doesn't stop when he gets to the top, but he continues to overflow. He continues to overflow. But the sad thing is this, and we're going to go back to this one more time. I'm going to make a little bit of a mess here. The sad thing is this. What takes place in many cases is we don't use the coaster the way we're supposed to. Instead, what happens is the Spirit is flowing. The Spirit's given us the, the, the direction. And then all of a sudden, this conviction comes, right? The conviction comes and, we, and, and, and the Holy Spirit says, hey, look, here's a place in your life that you're not following me. And so he's pouring. And then all of a sudden, we put this coaster right here. The flowing continues, but it doesn't get in because of the reality that we have said no to his power. We've placed a barrier between what God wants to do in our life. We've said no to the conviction, no to the direction, no to what he has, and said, here is what I want. Here's my will. Instead, I'll do my own thing. And sadly, we cap what God wants to do in and through our life because of the way that we engineer our own life. We say, this is what I want. This is where I want to go. There's two awesome things about the Holy Spirit, two awesome things about his life that might be kind of scary for many. The first one is how much he will change your life if you let him. If you've ever allowed the Holy Spirit to truly come in, if you've thrown that away and you've allowed him to pour into you and just, it just seeps out of you, the Holy Spirit's power, the Holy Spirit's love seeps out of you, if you've ever allowed that to happen, man, that is amazing. The second thing is how much he will help you. He won't manhandle you. He won't say, hey, you have to do this. You're like a robot where I'm going to do all the things. No, he, as you allow him to, he will help you in greater ways in your life. If you allow him to clean you up and to fill you up, It'll pour over the brim. It will, it will be, there'll be so much here that it will spill out everywhere. It will continue to spill out into the people around you, in the relationship, the environment around you so that more might know the truth. Verse 30 and 31 reads like this. I will not say much more to you for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me. But he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. That final point is the degree by which you allow him to pour into your life is the degree you will be filled. It is summertime and therefore it's the international season of ice cream, right? I love ice cream. I, I, I could have ice cream for every meal and after every meal. And I really like, uh, there's a place uptown called Wits. If you've not been there before, I really like Wits. And I like to get the flavor of, uh, of the month. Uh, first, I like to guess the flavor of the month with my daughter. And then we get it and we get our picture next to the, the thing after we get it or after they tell us. And from time to time, I would like some ice cream, Right? And so I think, okay, and I talk to my wife, I say, okay, let's reward the kids for something and go get ice cream, right? And sometimes I find myself thinking, okay, what is the reward that we, okay, they did this, they did that, but okay. And a few weeks ago, my wife said, why don't you just take Sadie, you guys do a daddy-daughter date, you go uptown and you walk around, you get your ice cream. I said, yeah, that's fine. We haven't done one for a couple months. Let's do that. And so we're in the, in the kitchen and, you know, dinner's over with. And I, I said, Sadie, you want to get some ice cream? 
And my son, I hear one of them say, yes, ice cream. And I leaned over my daughter and I was like, yeah, I feel bad. He's not getting anything. But the interesting thing is there is so much, right? There's so much that that the Holy Spirit wants to give us. There's so much that he he wants to grant us and so much that he wants to, to pour into us. He's just waiting for us to be open, waiting for us to respond, waiting for us to receive this special gift and engagement. He is so open and willing and personal and saying, I am here right now in this moment. You don't have to go to a special prayer closet. It doesn't have to be a special week. You don't have to have so much attendance at a church service or at your small group or at your class. Guess what? The Holy Spirit is present here and now. The person of the Holy Spirit is present here and now. Our disobedience doesn't stop as pouring It simply blocks our reception. And what he asks for in many cases is for us simply just to remove the the, the coaster, remove the the blockage, the thing that we have placed in, in the way of his pouring and say, look, I have so much more for you. Put away that sin or give it to me. Put away that thing that's causing, put away that other placement of your time and just allow me to change you. Allow me to pour into you. This morning, we're going we're gonna to sing a, a, a chorus that many of you might have heard before. We're going to actually sing it two times. The first time, I want to just allow it to be a moment of, of, of reflection and a moment of pondering. The chorus is actually called Spirit of the Living God, and we're going we're gonna to sing through this together. It's just a, a short chorus, but it is so powerful. It's an invitation And we're going to sing through this invitation. And then I'm going to take a moment. And I want to, before we we, we pray and dismiss, I want to give each of us the opportunity to be able to respond to that invitation and sing it a second time. Thanking you for this opportunity we have. Not just for the freedom that we have to worship you, but the freedom we have in you. God, to be able to live a life different, holy, and pleasing to you. God, may our hearts, may our lives, may, may all that we are be a reflection of the, the Spirit, your Spirit, what you've done, how you continue to pour out yourself into each one of us. May we experience that afresh and anew. May today be a day we celebrate our freedom in this nation and a day where we celebrate the freedom from whatever thing, whatever coaster, whatever sin, whatever thing was standing in the way of us receiving a full pouring of your Spirit, a full outpouring of your love. God, keep us safe this day. Help us, Father, to to enjoy time with friends and family, but above all else, may we worship you through all that we do and all that we are. We love you, Father. We thank you for meeting us here through the person of the Holy Spirit. And it's through your Son, Jesus' name, that we pray here today and through the power of the Holy Spirit that we're able to do so. And all God's people said together, amen, amen. Thank you again for spending time with us today. Thank you especially to those of you who give to CCWC. It is through your faithfulness that makes this ministry possible. Also, if you have any questions about today's teaching or if you want to learn more about CCWC, feel free to contact our office, check the web, 
or follow us on our social media platforms. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do encourage you to take a moment to subscribe and share it with friends. Let this be a blessing to someone else that you love in your life. You're always welcome to join us on Sunday morning for worship, or until then, we'll catch you on the next one. God bless. Thank you.